Welcome to another edition of the Long Gospel Devotional. My name is Eric Sorensen, pastor at Hillside Church in Roxbury, New Jersey, as well as a contributor to 1517 in all sorts of ways, including making one of these videos every Tuesday to share with you in which we look at God's two words to us in the scriptures, seeking to find out what they have to say to us each and every week. This week, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament reading from this upcoming Sunday's lectionary texts. So let's get right to it. Let's dive right into what our text is for today. It comes from the very well-known letter or writing Joshua, specifically a very famous passage in Joshua 24, in which I guess a number of you, especially if you're coming from more of an evangelical type church background, non-denominational church background, no doubt you have heard the verses that we're going to be going over uh, today before. There's no doubt about that. So, so we begin by, first of all, getting a little background about our passage. It comes out of Joshua 24, verses 1 and 2, and verses 14 through 28. And if I could sum it up, it might be something like, are you sure you know what you're signing up for? And maybe that's best illustrated by Jim Carrey asking Jeff Daniels in the very famous movie Dumb and Dumber, do you realize what you've done? Because the nation of Israel is going to be standing before their great leader Joshua, and they're going to be making all sorts of promises. And Joshua, well, he's going to be just a tad skeptical of what he has to hear. So a little background about the story of Joshua. Of course, Joshua finishes the work that Moses started by leading God's people into the promised land and conquering it. And of course, that victory hasn't stopped the people from uh, meddling and diving into all sorts of things they shouldn't be, specifically all sorts of idolatry that the Amorite people that they are dispossessing and the Canaanite people are really into. More about those religious practices in a little bit. And so, at the end of his life, right before everything is over, even though conquest seems to be finished, Joshua gathers the people before his death to recount what God has done for them and to call them to leave the idolatry behind. That's what you really see Joshua do in verses 3 through 13 of Joshua 24. He recounts all the ways that God has worked on their behalf gives them a much-needed history lesson. So we pick it up in verse 1. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Yes, indeed. The people needed to be reminded of where they came from and what God had done for them, taking them from a pagan land that Abram was from and creating a new people that would worship him and that he would provide for. And indeed, he does provide for them as he gives them his law and he delivers them out of slavery in Egypt and he, and he conquers their enemies before them as they wander around in the wilderness and into the promised land. And yet... As the picture with Michael Scott so evidently shows, the people of Israel seem to remember very little very often. They seem to be a very forgetful people, a very fickle people, and frankly, they're not a whole lot different than you and I, naturally. And so Joshua goes on to say, in light of all that God has done for you, verse 14 
Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. This seems reasonable. He's done all this for you. Why don't you go ahead and serve him? And so they're given what seems like a choice. You can get with this or you can get with that to show that I'm a fan of 90s hip hop. Yes, I'm referencing a song from uh, sort of a one hit wonder, The Black Sheep, the choice is yours. And yet this passage doesn't say what I think you think it says. Listen carefully. Verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. That's the command, serve the Lord. Nevertheless, the choice that Joshua actually gives them is not a choice between the true God and false gods. He actually says this, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, Choose this day whom you will serve. No doubt you've heard those words. No doubt you've seen them printed on pillows and on coffee mugs and I'm sure on Instagram feeds all over the world on any given day. Choose this day whom you will serve and then dot, dot, dot. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's often left out of that quote is what comes directly after Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. Quote, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Please notice Joshua does not give them a choice to serve the Lord. He says, if you don't want to serve the Lord, well, you basically got two options. You can go back to the moon god that Abram and our forefathers were worshiping before the true God showed himself to them. Or you can go to the gods of the Amorites. What are the gods of the Amorites like? Well, it turns out the nation of Israel was tempted to go to them all the time. And why? Well, because the gods of the Amorites were all about perversion and sexuality and frankly, all sorts of horrible rituals, including child sacrifice and burning kids alive on the altar to one of the various gods, whether it be Amaru or eventually Baal, they all kind of come from the same thing. It's always about more fertility, more prosperity, and that's what will please the god is if you sacrifice enough. It, it's always the same thing. False gods always demand incredible amounts of sacrifice while never actually giving you what they promise to give you. That's the choices that Joshua gives the people if they don't want God. Okay, you don't want God, well, here's your choices. You can go for a God that you've rejected, or for you can go for a, for a God that's been conquered, but either way, it's not good. And so the people quite convincingly say, I have decided to follow Jesus. We really, really, really mean it this time. We are going to follow the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. In other words, it's like Brett Favre saying he's going to retire again. I really, really, really mean it this time. But of course, as much as they mean that they are really 100% committed to God, because they are human beings, all that any human being can really muster up at any given time when it comes to talking about their level of commitment is really, well, I'm kind of committed to God.
Listen to verse 16. Then the people answered, Far be it from us. That's an amazing statement considering the history of Israel. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. True. Out of the house of slavery. True. And who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went. And among all the peoples through whom we passed. True again. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. It makes all the sense in the world that, of course, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Far be it from us that we would ever, ever even think about going after other gods. You know, I think they're truly sincere when they say this in the moment. I think they mean it. Now, uh, you know, of course it's short-sighted and it doesn't recognize the propensity to sin that we all have inside of us, but it is possible for someone to mouth the words and emotionally feel in the moment that this time they're really going to change. Like Chunk praying in Goonies, he's determined not to go back to his old ways if God will just keep him out of trouble. Indeed. There are times where we feel so bad about what we've done and so afraid of the consequences of what we've done that in that moment, it feels like, yes, I am committed. From now on, I'm never going back to the filth. But Joshua knows better. Joshua, well, Joshua is not a great salesman, for one thing, and he's quite pessimistic because his immediate response is, but you won't, though. You'll fail. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. What kind of preacher is this? Well, it's the kind of preacher who speaks the truth. You're not able. You're not able to serve a holy God because you're unholy people. Just throw in the towel now. Recognize you can't win this one. If you make this about you, it's not going to go well. If you make this about your commitment, it's not going to go well. Nevertheless, they're determined. If you make this about your faithfulness, Joshua is essentially saying, you will be judged when you fall short. Quote, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive you your transgressions or your sins. If this is about the strength and level of your commitment, there's no ability to simply say, oops, I did it again and hope that everything's going to be okay. No, this is, if you're wanting to make this relationship between you and God, the vertical relationship, conditional upon your level of obedience, there's no mercy to be found. Are you sure you're ready to go for that? Yes, indeed. We're sure. But Joshua says you're going to be even worse off. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Joshua, is he just won't let it go. He, he wants them to know, folks, you're not going to measure up. You're not going to make it work. Please don't think that you can do this on your own. Don't think that you can let measure up to the level of commitment that holiness demands. But like Bob the Builder, they really think they can fix it. They really think that they're able. And so verse 21, the people said to Joshua, but no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, all right, your witnesses against yourselves. 
that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. It's almost, it's interesting that Joshua is so downplaying their desire to be on fire, their desire to be committed. He's like, are you sure? All right, fine. You, you're the one who wants to make it all about your commitment to Christ. All right, we'll draw up a covenant. We'll see how you do. And they said, we are witnesses. Witnesses against ourselves. They're so confident in their own ability in spite of all the evidence throughout their history. He said again, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And of course, the people once again determined, said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. Well, it is possible, indeed, it's not all that uncommon, for people to think that this time they're really going to change. This time it's going to be different, that they're not going to give in to the same old problems. But of course, what story comes right after the book of Joshua? Right after this moment in which the people have promised to be absolutely, incredibly faithful and obedient, well, of course, the book of Judges. And folks, nothing good happens there. So what might be a better response? Well, I think a better response from you and I today, as we're faced with the reality of a holy God, recognizing that we are not holy people, is instead of pretending we are, simply acknowledging we're not. I'm telling you, folks, the better way is to just come clean and confess. As John's first epistle says, I may have quoted this a thousand times in these videos, and I'll quote it again. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to purify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we call God a liar. As zealous as the people of Israel are right now, the fact is, they have called God a liar by their unwillingness to acknowledge their failure. It's such a problem when we want to make our relationship with God founded on or centered on our ability to obey. No, we ought to be able to say, first and foremost, you're right, you're worthy, and I'm not. I failed. We ought to be able to say, have mercy on us, the sinners, like the tax collector said before. Because I'll tell you what, folks, that really is the basis of our relationship every single day with God. If we make it about our obedience, things will only be worse off. But if we make it about Christ's obedience on our behalf, Christ's death on our behalf, Christ's resurrection on our behalf, Christ's ascension on our behalf, and Christ's intercession on our behalf, if we make it about God's promise,
promises to us in Christ in spite of us being sinners that fall short day in and day out. Well then, folks, we have assurance of salvation. We have hope in this relationship with God because it's not based on our performance, but indeed based on his. Luther puts it this way, God rebukes us as sinners and judges us unworthy of the kingdom of heaven. Then we experience hell and we think we are lost forever. But that is just the time that we can catch God in his own words. When we admit that saying, Lord, it is true. I am a sinner and not worthy of your grace, but still you have promised sinners forgiveness and you have not come to call the righteous, but to save sinners. Then must God, according to his own judgment, have mercy upon us. Oh, how much better it is to come to God on the basis of his mercy won for us by Christ Jesus than it ever could be on the basis of us coming on our performance. May we be people that do not fall into the trap that Israel did of making promises that they couldn't keep, of trying to write checks that they could never cash, but instead each and every day Learn to come to God, saying, Have mercy on me, the sinner. Empower me by your Holy Spirit and help me walk according to the way you would see fit. Amen. Well, that is our devotion for today. I hope that you have been encouraged by it. And I hope you've been led away from your own commitment and indeed into the good news that comes with Christ's commitment to you day in and day out. God's richest blessings to you. I look forward to seeing you next Tuesday.